Alabama gets another football transfer. What does this mean? And also the Alabama basketball team keeps kicking butt. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Oh, good, good. Another exciting uh, time of the year. Football signing day is like close, though we will sign no one, uh, but it's still signing day. I'm I'm, going to continue to celebrate signing day, though there are no signings. Thank you for making this your first listen. We appreciate you guys. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And Jimmy, we were advised by the powers that be to quit asking each other how we're doing and to get into the meat of the subject matter even quicker. And we both screwed that up the first time we were supposed to not do that. And we're not starting over because that's not what we do. Who's surprised? surprised? Not me, not you. Jimmy, um, Tresman Marshall, Mm -hmm. who uh, I think was in Georgia's 2019 signing class. That sounds right. He he has committed to the University of Alabama from the transfer portal. So he zapped him right over here from Athens. And, um, you know, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, but I, I really want you to explain to me, is this, is this the big a win as I think it should be? I mean, I, I, I like it. I do. I like him a lot. He's, he was very highly touted um, coming out of high school and he's, he's played well at Georgia when he's played, but he's been injured. Um, this, I, I want I want to hear you say, this is going to be more Jamison Williams than Jermaine Burton. And I, I use that very loosely because Jermaine Burton might have a breakout this next year. But but this past year, Jermaine Burton didn't do as much as we thought he would. I mean, I think that's fair to say. That's not a shot at him. Um, but And Jamison Williams did more than we thought he would. So which one are you leaning? Uh, actually, uh, neither one. I, I don't think it's a good uh, comp. I think the best comp is is not even a transfer portal guy. Uh, look, I, when this first happened, I was like a little confused. I mean, in terms of like, why do we why do we really go get an inside linebacker, even though we we sort of you know we know this kid um, because we recruited him and and we were kind of a you know a backup. You know, we probably finished second, third, or you know we we were in it. You know, when he chose Georgia back in twenty nineteen. But this isn't really, uh, I, I think what I want everybody to, I, I think with Tyler, let's use Tyler Harrell as a as a situation where I think we did a pretty good job here on the show of dimming down expectations. And we were correct to do that. We probably should have been more adamant about it at the time. It's certainly how I felt at the time that Tyler Harrell probably wasn't going to play much uh, just simply because of, of, of what kind of player he was and what, what where Alabama was on the depth chart. I don't think this is Tyler Harrell, though. I think this is a step up. Maybe everyone that listens to the show will remember about literally one year ago today uh, or so, uh, we recruited Jalen Moody out of the transfer portal. And I know that sounds ridiculous because Moody had been on the team, but if you think about it, it's the same thing. Moody had been in the portal, and he was going to go, frankly, he was going to go to Texas. And we, after a couple of other 
of our inside linebacker plans, including Drew Sanders, fell through, we went back to Moody and said, look, our situation's different now. Christian Harris went pro. Drew didn't want to move inside. He left. Uh, we, we didn't get everybody in recruiting we thought we might get uh, or we'd hope to get. We have an opportunity for you. You know, you, you should come back and play uh, here because you're going to get an opportunity uh, at least while Deontay Lawson is still learning the ropes. And that's what he did. And at Alabama, even though Moody wasn't a superb player, wasn't an all-SEC player, isn't likely to be drafted, but we really needed Moody. Uh, I, I think, obviously, he started many games. He played a lot. Then Lawson got hurt, and he had to play more. Uh, and it ends up we really needed Jalen Moody and going and re-recruiting re him, getting him out of the transfer portal because Moody was an experienced inside linebacker in our system, and he could at the very least hold down the fort until a younger player like Justin Jefferson, like Sean Murphy, like Jihad Campbell, until those guys are ready, we have an experienced player that's a good plug-in. And I, that's how I think of Trez Marshall. Uh, I think he's Jalen Moody. Uh, and that's fine. That's fine. That doesn't need to be disappointing because he's not Jamison or Toho Toho. Uh, I, I think in retrospect, thinking it through that way, this was a really smart thing to do. But it's a smart roster move by Alabama, not so much, hey, uh, here, here's here's a, a total badass. Uh, you know, that that's that's not the case, or it hadn't been the case at Georgia. Although that said, I'm not sure Georgia ever really got the full Trez Marshall experience because Trez missed basically all of 20, 2020 and 2021 with injury. Really, 2022 is the only healthy year they got out of him as an experienced player but they already had two All-American types starting at inside linebacker, so we couldn't really get on the field that much. Yeah, and one other thing um, I worry about with transfers sometimes is if you get a transfer from a program that maybe is a little smaller or maybe hadn't had a ton of success or whatever, they're not going to be familiar with the work ethic it takes right. to succeed at Alabama. Obviously, Georgia uh, has, has a program – it's very similar to Alabama's and they, he will be acutely aware of what it takes to, to be on the field at Alabama, whether he's been injured or not. He, he just being around it through osmosis, he's going to know what it takes to be on the field at Alabama. So I think that is a big positive. Um, and you're right. We could use the depth. He doesn't have to be a superstar. He, he just doesn't have to be. I mean, I, I think we're all hoping Deontay Lawson takes that role. And we also have some young dudes so if he can just be a very, very good player, he doesn't have to be all SEC. If he can just be uh, very solid and help um, raise some of these young pups that we have that are, that are uber talented, I think mission accomplished, W. I think we can, we can make it happen, Captain, like that. So, um, Jimmy, we're going to go to break. I'm going to tell everybody about LinkedIn. I want to tell everybody a quick story, though, because, you know, Jimmy, I know that you've gone to games – uh, and, and been recognized I, I, today at Lifetime Fitness, where I talk about built bars all the time because they have built bars there. Uh, a guy named um, Brad Friedman came up to me and goes, Hey, love your podcast. And I was like, That's awesome. And Brad played tennis at Alabama from like 99 to 03, super guy. And um, yeah, we just stayed there and talked for a while. So if you are watching this, 
And, and you know what? We have over 3,800 subscribers. And about half of them, I didn't even create fake accounts on YouTube for. So, I mean, <laughs> so that, I mean that's 1,900 real people. Not 1,900 bots, but that's okay. If you recognize Jimmy and me and you want to say something to us, come on up and say something to us, even if it sucks. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll pretend it doesn't or we'll pretend it doesn't hurt our feelings if you say something bad and then we'll go in the car and cry. <laughs> um, I, want, <laughs> I want to tell everybody about LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn Jobs. That, that's where you want to go. You know you do. We use it over there at Robinson Iron where I work. And we use it at Satterfield, uh, part of my family's corporate structure. Um, as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and 875 million member profile. That's a lot of million uh, member profiles. 875 million? That's a lot of member profiles. Am I crazy to think there's a lot of member profiles? They're probably all uh, fake like the YouTube thing that, that, that you did. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy, for costing us this sponsor. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and helps you find them faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may, and I bet they will, apply. Also, want you to go check out Locked On College Basketball. Look, uh, we're about to talk about Alabama in this next segment. Locked on college basketball. If you want to hear about Alabama some more than just us and you want to hear some national dudes talk about it, you know we're going to brag on them. But the national dudes are bragging. Go to Locked on College Basketball. It's part of the Locked on family. They do a magnificent job. I've really enjoyed listening to them lately. So let's talk a little basketball, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one thing uh, Brad Freeman, who played tennis at Alabama from uh, 99 to 03, and I just met. Um, he and I talked about it. He said, man, what about this basketball team? And I said, you know, on the podcast, I've been telling Jimmy that every game, no matter how good we are, there's some point in the game where I think, okay, here's the grand piano that's going to fall on my head like Wally Cody. I mean, that's that's my standard line. I mean, I just feel like it's always going to happen. And I felt that was coming. I want to say there was like six minutes left, maybe seven minutes, maybe eight. I can't remember. But um, when Missouri cut it to 12 on a finger roll, we called timeout. The, the place is popping. I mean, the, the whole – everybody's jumping up and down, doing their thing in the stands. And I'm thinking, here comes their run. Um, and you know what we do? We go down and pop a three. We called timeout, ran a great play, popped a three, killed the run, and it's over. Now, past Alabama teams would have probably lost that lead. Not this bunch. These We got dudes, man. We, we got young dudes. I know they're young. I know they're – I mean – I don't even know if we can call them inexperienced anymore. They played a lot of, they played a lot of good teams in hostile environments too. By the way, um, on the road in neutral sites um, against teams that have played for national championships and won national championships, we, we've been through the ringer. And now I don't know that we can call them young pups anymore. And also, as you and I have alluded to several times, basketball is a little different because now you play AAU so young that you're around dudes that are just awesome all the time anyway. That like you don't get as intimidated anymore. So um, it's 
it's amazing to see how tough this team is. How about Bradley? And, and again, we got a gazillion things to talk about, but I, what I loved about Bradley, there were a couple of times I thought he got the raw end of the stick on a call. Um, I thought that they, there was one play where he went in. I thought he got fouled. They called it a jump ball, things like that. Um, and then he decided he got a breakaway one time. He's like, I'm just about to dunk this on somebody's face. That was very Rucker Park, New York of him, because frankly, he didn't get up high enough to do it. But he was like, I don't care if I can actually do it. I want to make this statement. And um, I, he's so New York. It's just great. I just love his toughness. Um, but there are a million things to talk about. Of course, Namari Burnett coming back and playing a few minutes. And take, by the way, he took a hit. He landed damn yeah. near his head. Um, and it's just tough. This crew's just tough, Jimmy. I'm, I'm super proud yeah. and can't wait. I, I mean, like, I'm so excited about the next game. It's not till Wednesday. Yeah, uh, I love uh, tough is a great word. You know, talented is another one. I mean, I, I think it's rare when you put together such a gifted team full, full of future NBA players like this team is because Miller's going to play in the NBA, Clowney. Uh, I think Betty Aco is going to play in the NBA. He just needs a lot more development, but it's coming. Uh, I think others, I think Bradley's got a shot. Sears going to get an opportunity uh, even some younger players like Rylan Griffin could develop into that. Jaden Bradley could develop into that. So such a talented group. And, and I think it's rare that, that you say that a talented group of young basketball players is tough, but they are. And credit Nate Oates program for that, for creating that toughness physically, mentally. Uh, and, and what I, you know, another thing I'm impressed with, and there could be 30 to list, but another thing I'm impressed with is, you know, every team, even good teams, football, baseball, doesn't matter what the sport, hockey, I'm sure the same way. You know, every season, the season is long. And in the season, you, you there's stretches where you play your best of the season. There's stretches where you're not playing well and you're sort of in a slump or you're, it's just not going right. And then you kind of bounce out of it and then maybe dip again. And then hopefully the goal that everyone has is to be playing their best when March rolls around and you're in the postseason. Uh, well, this team hasn't dipped. They, they started out great way back when, played in that really tough tournament where it felt like a, an invitational to, to an Elite Eight tournament in North Carolina and UConn, Michigan State, all that. They, they played great then. They did lose a game then, but they played great through there, and they've never dipped. The SEC season started. They haven't dipped. They still haven't dipped. They've won every SEC game by double digits, which is ridiculous. So I, I'm, I'm just impressed by, again, to me, that's a sign of toughness. Uh, they're going to achieve something great. Uh, they, they're not just going to sit back and go, hey, we're all great players. Things are going to work out really good for us individually. <laughs> no, they're, they're a team. And I'll go this far. I, I bet five years from now, when Brandon Miller is into the fourth year of his stellar NBA career. His max contract. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to be asked by some reporter about, you know, do you have fun playing basketball? And he's going to say something like, oh, the NBA is great and I'm, I'm having a great time and it's awesome to play against the best players in the world every night. But the most fun I've ever had playing basketball is my year in Alabama. I mean, I, I, I'll believe I believe he will say that. I mean, and, and, and that's just simply because these guys clearly like playing with each other and they're achieving so much historically. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. And here's the thing that I think is so true. And, and 
really underappreciated when it comes to what makes great teams. They're, they're, they like each other. They're friends. Now, you know, I mean, now we look back and there's stories about the Bulls and, and Pippen didn't like Jordan and whatever. But in the moment, I think they were all friends. I think that's sort of like going after some money now and, and revisionist history and still trying to be in the limelight. I think right now, these guys are all friends. And also, there's a little difference in doing it as grown adults versus doing it as 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Um, they enjoy playing with one another. They pull for one another. There's one thing I know I keep noticing at this at the games. I remember last year, I think we complained about this on the podcast. I, again, maybe I'm revisionist history now, but um, I remember last year we'd, we'd go on a run or we'd have a nice dunk or pop a three or something, and it'd be great. And the only people on the bench that would get excited would be like the three uh, walk-ons at the back of the bench, at the end of the bench. Like everybody else sort of sitting there going, yeah, okay. Man, Betty Ico doesn't sit down. Like, and, and when Brandon Miller hit a three late last night, he turned around like everybody else was standing there with him. Like he was jawing with him, talking with him, you know, high-fiving. It, it's just great to see the camaraderie. And I think that's underappreciated when it comes to uh, what makes a good team. You've got to care about one another. And in that same vein, I want to say this. I saw Dom Welch taking a lot of heat on Twitter and taking a lot of heat on message boards. And Tim Watts came to his defense on Bama Online, and I will too. Look, he's not playing great right now. I'm I'm with you. Um, Looking up his stats real quick, first of all, he played 15 minutes last night. Um, He was over four from beyond the arc. Uh, he's, He's not playing well, but now he's been hurt. I think this staff believes in him. Oh, I yeah. think, and I think that uh, we started just the second half. Not everybody noticed that he started the second right. half. And I think we just need to give him a little time. And I'm, I'm making a prediction right now. Maybe it's just more hope than actual facts. I bet you Dom Welch is the reason we win a game this year. Okay. I, I really believe that. Um, I just think this staff has got an eye for things like this. And, I, I don't think they would they would want him on this squad and play him as much as they've been playing him if they didn't think he could really like we got to get him in the flow because he's going to make a difference at some point and and then frankly at this point if Dom Welch helps us win one game Dom Welch has done his job if you ask me so um I, I the way that this season's going I mean I, I'm so veteran excited presence. about everything about it. he's a clear veteran presence you can see that on the floor he he knows exactly what to do all the time. He can defend really well. As a matter of fact, I think he can defend the two, three, or the four. So he's very versatile defensively and guard, you know, any number of guys. And I agree, you know, he's taken the, the crap. Why would we ever give any of our players crap for any reason? But he's not shooting well. I think all the other parts of his game are really good. Uh, he's just not shooting it well. And that's what people notice the most. His shot looks a little flat right now. And I think yeah. that yeah. – Again, that's just going to come with experience, and that's just nerves out there like you haven't been playing. And and there's difference in playing in practice and playing in a game. And I was all about Namari Burnett uh, taking a couple of threes. I was all about it. Like, go do it, man. Get out there and get in the flow. And, uh, by the way, we, we can brag on Mark Sears, who just is – he's become a favorite. I mean, he's become – a literal favorite. Um, Brandon Miller, best player in the country, if you ask me. Um, Noah Clowney, always awesome, had a big double-double, 17 and 14. How about Rylan Griffin? All he does is come in and knock down threes. He didn't play that much, but he just comes in and bottoms out a couple of threes and then goes to the bench and, play, and he plays good defense, by the way, too. Here, yeah, here's here's one thing, though, about Griffin. You'll, you'll 
because, and this is why people get excited and they're getting on Welch. Welch actually plays minutes for more than Griffin. And it's because Welch is so good at the things Griffin's not good at. Griffin's really good at one thing, shooting the ball. So he has a bunch of fans and everybody's like, I love that guy. And that's true. I love him too. But Griffin's shot's going in. Yeah. So love him. Welch's shot is not. So we rip on him. But Welch actually plays more minutes because he's he's good at all the stuff that Griffin's still learning. Jimmy, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the coordinator search. Yes. Coordinator search is, is what I meant to say, because I think we're looking for two coordinators. We're not officially looking for two coordinators, but we're looking for at least one coordinator. And I think we're looking for multiple coordinators. Um, I do want to say this one more thing. Uh, first of all, go check out Locked On College Basketball. I've already told you that. Go check out Locked On College Basketball. You'll love it. Also want to tell you one other quick story. So if you don't like my stories, fast forward about 30 seconds. This is how long it'll take. Yesterday, I went to this little place called Restore. My, my wife talked me into going to it. It's like right across the street from my house. And it's like one of those cryogenic, you know, you can get in this negative 200 degree, whatever it is thing. And, you know, you cover up your feet, but you're pretty much naked otherwise. And it makes you feel better. And it did make me feel better. I'll say that. But I also said this, that when I got in the thing, you know, Jimmy, the whole Seinfeld episode about uh, getting in a cold pool for men and frightened turtles. Yeah. And I, I was like, OK, so I got in there. I was like, OK. I don't need anybody. I don't need to be like showing off anything. And so we got in there and she, she took my temp, body temperature again or whatever. I, I don't know if it's body temperature or whatever. She said, you're 61. I don't know what the hell that means. And I, she said, so you can actually take a more intense uh, freezing or whatever next time. And I said, ma'am, I'm going to tell you this. You already turned to me from an Audi to an any. And if, <laughs> if you turn the freezing up anymore, if you turn this cold up anymore, these things can go so 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 far back into me. I'm going to collapse on myself like a dying star. It's going to be a vortex. So I don't think I can take it any colder. And also, I just can't sacrifice anymore. This is what, this is what God gave me, and I want to keep it this way. Um, but it did help. So shout out to Restore. Uh, coordinators. Maybe that's what they mean by Restore. When you walked out of the place, it was Restored. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, anyway, uh, coordinators. So one thing that uh, Brad Friedman, who stopped me, played tennis at Alabama from 09, I mean, from uh, 99 to 03. I just like saying that because I think it's cool. If you played at Alabama, I would say I would introduce myself that way. I grew up. I played, I up I played field I hockey up. at Alabama from uh, 2001 to 2002, and then I quit. But I'll be like, oh, that's so cool. You played at Alabama. That's so awesome. Uh, I grew up playing. A lot of people know that about me, but I used to travel all around the state, south, playing tennis when I was a kid from like when I was 10 to 14, 10 to 15. And so I, I know quite a bit about it. Let me tell you, you play tennis at Alabama. It's a thing. You're freaking good. You're I mean, team. good, good. Well, let's talk about coordinators. Generally, the number one 18 year old in Alabama, if you're the best tennis player in Alabama, uh, 18 and under, you're, you're probably not good enough to play for University of Alabama. That's a fact. All right. So coordinators. Um, what uh, Brad Friedman, who played tennis Alabama from uh, 99 to 03, asked me was, he was like, have you seen the rumors about Greg Roman? And I said, I have, but um, I just don't think that's something that's happening. I don't believe it. Uh, but that's also an offensive thing. Um, yeah. And we don't have an offensive opening just yet. I think we will. So everybody chill out. Everybody's panicking over that a little bit. I think we will. 
But let's let's focus on defense here for a second. Are you hearing anything else? By the way, Trez Marshall was super tight with George's Schumann. Right. I mean, like super tight. In fact, so tight that uh, Schumann's wife had a whole text about, man, I'm going to miss you. I mean, I, I can't believe you're not going to be here, whatever. And it, But she didn't say it in that way. She almost said it in a way that was like, hey, maybe we'll see each other in the future. I don't yeah. know. But I would say it seems to me the door for Schumann to walk through to come to Alabama is not completely closed. Yeah, I wouldn't call it closed. Uh, I don't know uh, what all's going on. I just know this, and I know it th just through logic. I mean, there is no way that Glenn Schumann is not a major candidate for this position. I mean, if you're going to just create boxes of what Nick Saban will be looking for, Glenn Schumann checks every single one of them. And considering the fact he's a co-defensive coordinator at Georgia only, and I did the air quotes there, only making 800, uh, he's hireable in that sense. Uh, I have no doubt that there is a want on Alabama's part to at least discuss it with him. Uh, it's just tricky because he's employed by Georgia. He's employed by our biggest rival. Alabama is Georgia's biggest threat, uh, whether they want to admit that or not, but you know that that's true, and they know that that's true. Uh, I, I, it's not just a situation where I think Nick can call Kirby and say, hey, put Glenn on the phone. Uh, because I think while Kirby may realize he may not be able to hold on to Schumann long term, uh, he also doesn't want Glenn Schumann at Alabama. I mean, this is a highly competitive thing. I, I don't think fans know even how competitive it is amongst the coaches who are fighting for their life. We fight because we have favorite teams. They're fighting for their paychecks. Uh, Kirby doesn't want Glenn Schumann at, at Alabama. Uh, so that's that's a, a thing, too. But is he a candidate? Of course he is. I, I I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that he would be among the guys Nick Saban wants to talk to. Uh, is the door closed? I'm, I, I have no information that would uh, lead me to believe that it was a no and don't call again. Uh, I've, I, I don't I don't think that that's the case. So until Alabama makes a hire that's not Glenn Schumann, or I hear from a great source that we've talked to Schumann and that's a no, uh, I, I, I will believe he is on the short list. I, I'll believe that. Now, you know, today, uh, if asked today, hey, you've got to give me a name. Who's going to be Alabama's defensive coordinator? My answer is Jeremy Pruitt uh, today. Uh, but, uh, you know, thankfully, I don't have to bet a lot of money on that because, as we all know, the Pruitt situation is extremely tricky. Uh, but that's my answer today. Uh, in terms of, hey, if, if you got a guess, uh, I, I'm going to say Pruitt. Uh, Schumann would probably be guess number two. The Greg Roman oh. thing, is a, a, a Twitter troll account, that, that, that whoever runs that is just sort of guessing and, and hoping that he's right in, in, in the sense that if, if, if the noodle does stick to the wall, he could claim a victory, even though he's thrown a thousand noodles up there over the years. I, I am intrigued by Greg Roman, and I do think Greg Roman would be an interesting candidate because I think he sort of, I mean, he's been an NFL offensive coordinator, but he's coached Lamar Jackson and Colin Kaepernick, who are really similar to, to not just Jalen Milrow, but Ty Simpson. And I think, and he's got NFL experience and running NFL offense and explosive plays outside. I, I think Greg Roman does check a lot of boxes, actually, but no, uh, Greg Roman is not, uh, to my knowledge, a uh, on, on a short list or a leading candidate, not to my knowledge. 
Um, really quickly before we wrap show up, uh, speaking of Kirby Smart, he was actually in Alexander City, uh, where I work and born and raised the other night. He was there to watch. Um, well, it turns out I, I was told he was there to watch Demarcus Riddick from Chilton County, who's committed to Georgia. Very good player. They were playing Benjamin Russell, the uh, hometown school there in Ellick City. And uh, Ellick City, Benjamin Russell also has a wide receiver named Malcolm Simmons who's a very good player. Uh, he grew up in Ellick City, then moved to Georgia, played a couple years, I think, and then now he's back at Benjamin Russell, played last year. Very, very good player, electric, a lot of fun. I hope Alabama gives him a look. He's a top 125 player, I would say. And then uh, Ellick City also has a ninth-grade kid whose name escapes me right now, but he's very talented, big kid. And as you all know, I mean, not that this has any correlation at all, except for the fact they're from the same hometown, of course, Terrell Owens is from Ellick City. So whenever somebody tall and a good wide receiver is on a BRHS team, they're going to say, that reminds me of Terrell Owens. And uh, I've had a couple of people say that, but I don't know if it's true or not. I didn't even see him play yet. So uh, I just thought it was interesting. Somebody said that uh, Kirby was there, not only see Riddick, but also check out those two guys who I believe also play on the Benjamin Russell basketball team. I just thought it was interesting. So, Jimmy, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We will be back tomorrow. And, uh, you know, Jimmy, we're, you're, we're about time to get into your countdown. So we might be yeah. starting that tomorrow. So until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.